0: Here's Pastor Scott. I want to read to you one verse, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. The Bible says, And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. I want to teach tonight from a Bible study titled, Are You Listening? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. God, thank you for the testimonies of your goodness. And and God, it is a good day because you are on the throne. You love us and you've allowed us to come together and, and gather in your name. So we ask you, Lord, to be our teacher from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, put that verse back on the screen for me, please. The Bible says, and the Lord called as before. I don't know if you've started your book of the month yet. Okay, we're three days in, so you need to get on it. Um, it's, it's not 150 chapters, so it's, it's not going to be hard to keep up with. And if you've read at least through the first three chapters, you know that Samuel was given to God's temple as a child, a baby. Uh, well, a small, recently weaned baby. Anybody know what weaned is? It's Bible study night. we got to teach people. Huh? Alyssa said, off the boob. <laughs> off the boob, she said. Not breast, yeah. and she, just hand mode. She said, off the boob, <laughs> off, off the boob. Yeah, I oh know, she did it with her right hand. It was off the boob. Now, now y'all know where, where, where her kids were weaned, right here. Just right hand to the face. That's the only amount of time his mother had with him. Could you imagine? If you read the story, you understand that his mother had been barren for a long time and had been mocked for being barren because for centuries, and even now in the Hebrew culture, if you're a woman and you don't have children, you are looked upon as cursed of the Lord. You are looked upon as unfavored, you are looked upon as something is wrong with you. And she had to deal with that for a long time. And she had prayed hard for, for God to bless her and give her a child. She had prayed it, and so hard in the temple when the priest heard her praying, he came over and, and told her, what is wrong with you? You coming in here drunk, all that foolishness? And she said, I'm not, just dr- I'm not drunk, sir. I'm in deep grief and in prayer. And so she was praying for a child. She wanted a child for a long time. And then she made a a promise to the Lord that if God would give her a child, she would give him back. And, yeah, that's okay. But, I mean, you dedicate your child to the Lord, um, you know, that's one thing. She handed her child over. And, you know, to go with Alyssa's theory of that right there, I mean, I'm guessing, what age is that? five if they can add if they know their times tables they should have already had that said three to five that's as funny as that movie grown-ups that 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 child was still unweaned. and 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 chris rock asked kevin james how old is he and kevin james said um 48 months chris rock said man if that ain't it ain't 48 months when it that old that's four years you stop measuring in months. At, um, let's go with two. Um, and just handed him over. Just gave him up. Just took him to the temple. Say, here, Eli. I made a plan. And, and I'm thinking, who wants to have a two-year-old or a three-year-old? Some people five, you know, six, seven, eight, you know. they filling out their taxes and they ain't been weaned yet. But who, who wants that kid dropped off? If some person came to this church, knocked on my door and said, Hey, I told God if he had given me a baby, I'd give him to the Lord, and here he is. <laughs> what you want me to do with this child? Depending on your income bracket, the, the government estimates that the average child costs a family $250,000 to raise. And if you're any bit above, if you make any more than $40,000 a year, that number goes up quickly, okay? So if you make $40,000 a year or less, you can be sure your child is going to cost you close to a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, my children know that well because they're they they they're on an installment plan. They haven't started making payments yet. But I told them, y'all are all costing me over a million dollars apiece, and I want my money back one day. Uh, so that. Drop off a kid at three years old and say, here he is. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something awesome by giving. Some of y'all might take that as a blessing, okay? Some of y'all might be like, "Woo, a new baby in the house. Y'all yeah, know the Harrises that take him in. They'd just be like, you know, we got to have another one. Tie, tie you know, get, get, get a little bit of calm in the house and add more crying. But for me, I'd be like, mm, just be blessed and, 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 and be filled and go on your way. But this is what she did. She gives this child to the temple. She gives him to the priest, Eli. And Samuel is being raised inside the temple. And God comes to him in, in, at night while he's sleeping. And if you've read chapter 3, you know God called him. He thought it was Eli, so he ran into Eli's room and asked him, you know, what you want. Eli said, I didn't call you. He'd go back to bed. He goes back to bed. He hears his name called again. It's just him, him and Eli there, so he figures somebody called my name. must be the dude that's always telling me what to do. So he runs in there and asks him, and he says, I didn't call you. And, he, and Eli finally tells him, stop coming in here when you hear someone call your name. Just, just stay there and tell the Lord you hear him and you're listening. Okay, so we're catching up on the context. Of chapter three, Um, so obviously in the first two chapters, I told you this is a fast-moving book. A lot has already happened, and I don't know how visual your mind is. I like to read. Um, I'm I'm not so nourished that I would say that the book is better than the movie. These people that walk around always saying the book is better than the movie. I'm wondering, you know, that that that's a that's a deep reader right there. But when I'm reading, I see this like because this is so fast-moving, I see it like a movie in my mind. And here we've got Samuel laying in bed, and God keeps calling him. So finally, after Eli told him, don't keep coming here asking me what's up, stay in the bed and tell the Lord that you're there and you're ready to listen to him. And verse 10 says, And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel replied. Now, anytime time you see a name back to back, anytime time you see God Calling a name. Does anybody know the theological term for that? I've, I've told it to you guys uh, a thousand times over the years. It's a double enunciation of deity. It's God saying something twice. And anytime God says something twice, uh, it's powerful. And it usually involves something major that's about to happen or cutting of covenant. But anytime God calls a name twice or anybody in that culture called a name twice, it signified love, intimacy, and closeness. God had a tenderness for Samuel. You you might call, uh, you might have two names for your kids or two names for your spouse: Honey Pie, Sugar Bunch, you you you, you baby girl, uh, big daddy. I don't know what y'all do, but <laughs> that shows intimacy. Boo boo, don't say bay. Okay, please throw that out of your vocabulary. Uh, if you want to say bay, at least be ridiculous and say bay bay. It makes more sense. But double enunciation, God calls Samuel's name twice, and Samuel says, speak. And then I want you to see the last four words in verse 10. Your servant is listening. Now, we're talking about slowing the reading down. We're talking about not fast reading through the word. We're talking about reading the word slow enough and looking at it to try to learn something, looking at it to let God say something to you, looking at it to get something from it, and in this last four words, that four, yeah. In his last four words, there are two things that Samuel declares about himself that we need to recognize. What are the two things? That's it. That's the two things. He is a servant of God who is listening to God. Wow. Can you say that? I didn't ask, are you perfect? Because no one is. And the devil will try to bind you and hold you down. The devil will try to make you think that you're not good enough to serve God, that you're not good enough to ever be anybody for God, that everybody's a better Christian than you are. Man, when I first got saved, um, I was coming out of some foolishness and some mess, recently got out of jail, um, and everyone I looked at looked so perfect. I was going to a big church and... I'm going to suit wearing churches and Cadillacs everywhere. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these people and they're just all so perfect looking. And I'm thinking, I'm the most jacked up dude in here. I'm probably the only one struggling with anything in here. But as I got to know them, I found out we're all human and we all have problems. Don't let the devil or anybody, any other human being or even your own thoughts in your mind tell you that you're not good enough to be God's servant. God doesn't pick perfect people because there are no perfect people. Uh, I told you before, I I got so upset one time when a pastor of mine announced the title that I almost walked out. Uh, He announced the title, and he said, God only uses backsliders. That was the title of his message, God only uses backsliders. Well, I've been saved for a while, read the Bible through a few times in in my first year of being saved, and um, just was full in full on for God and I thought that ain't true God does not use backsliders because the Bible says that the backslider is will be filled with his own ways the Bible says that God won't hear your prayers if if you hold on to your sin the Bible says that God is far from you When you walk from him, we see in the prodigal son that when the prodigal son got ignorant and left the father, the father didn't go after him and use him, try to tell him, I need you. The father sat right where he was. And when the boy decided he was ready to come home, then uh, things changed. And so I'm thinking all that in my head, you know, in two seconds. And then, but I sat there. I thought, I just need to leave. I can't listen to this bad theology. You know, when you start thinking like that, you are overly arrogant and you have deceived yourself. When you start thinking you're so much beyond the, the person holding the microphone that has given his whole life to study a scripture, just because you hear a blip that you think is off, then you know you have deceived yourself into mass arrogance. But I sat there in my mass arrogance deception and listened to what the man had to say, and his point finally came true, and I agreed with him wholeheartedly. The reason God only uses backsliders is because there are no perfect people on this earth, and everybody at some point has backslid. And I thought, okay, now now I, I see what you're saying and where you're coming from. The point I'm making is don't think that you can't be God's servant because you still have issues. And if you think that when you get through with your issues that you'll be able to serve God more fully, then you're deceiving yourself because when you get through one issue, you're gonna realize you got more issues. And if you ever really get full on for God, you're gonna realize you got lots of issues. You got over issues that are not overcomable, and you have to stay on your knees to ask God to constantly help you. So you need to determine: are you, these four words. Are you God's servant? And are you listening? You don't have to have done something awesome and mighty. This kid had done nothing. He was a child. He hadn't done any. He hadn't, he hadn't built a church. He hadn't gone on a mission trip. He hadn't done anything that people would call amazing for the lord but he had determined in his mind he was going to serve god and if you've determined in your mind that you are going to serve god then yes you are god's servant whether you have a title or not if you've determined in your mind i will serve the lord with my life you are god's servant and you need to wear that with, with with a level of honor you need to wear that with a level of purpose and urgency to realize first and foremost i am A servant of the most high God. People want big lofty titles. It's crazy, man. I've been in some formal churches and and especially, uh, you know, I've spent most of my preaching ministry inside African-American churches and uh, the introductions that go on. Oh, man. Anybody ever been there? If (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. It is my most... Humble and austere and ubiquitous pleasure to be the lowliest of the low and the least among the insignificant tonight to have the highest honor of introducing our speaker. Amen. Amen. Not only is our speaker an intellectual genius. He also is a pillar in his community. Having fathered seven children with one wife. Achieving a plethora of Degrees from a multitude of higher learning institutions. Not only is he the founder and the angel of this church, and it's just on and on and on and on just to say, Come on, dude. You don't have to be the angel of the church, the founder, the right reverend, the high and holy, the, 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 overseer, and potentate. You don't have to be the, the evangelist, prophet, pastor, teacher, apostle, and great man of God. You have to put a D on the end of that. Anybody know why? It's not a man of God. It's a man of God. And the only reason for that is because that's just how it's always been. Why, why mand of God? Because that's how it's always been. Because that's how the apostle said it growing up. And that's how his granddaddy said, man of God. You don't have to be the man of, anybody know I'm telling the truth? It is the man of God. That's what it is. And you don't have to be the man of God to, to serve God, servant of God, all those fluffy lead-ups into what that man really is at the essence If he's anything in God's kingdom, he's a servant of God. No matter what the sign says, evangelist, pastor, founder, prophet, apostle, right reverend, doctor, Mr. and Mrs. Jones. Servant, if he's anything. That's what God has called us to do. And that's what God has called us to be. So you need to get in your mind, I am a servant of the Most High God. You, you, some people are like, I don't want to be a servant. I want to be the leader. I want to be, be in charge. I, wa- I want to run things. Listen, you're going to serve somebody in your life. You, you may as well realize how fortunate you are that God allowed you to serve him. You'd rather be a servant in God's kingdom than a king on your way to hell. Mm. Hallelujah. I tell I I tell our leaders, I I have told Deacon Jimmy before that, that what he should tell people when they ask him, what does he do for a living? I told him, Well, here well, I'll tell you what I what I used to do when I was bivocational, still cutting grass and pastoring. Uh, well, I'm still bivocational, but I'm just not cutting grass anymore. But I used to tell people that. When they say, "Well, what, what do you do for a living?" I tell them, "Well, I serve the Most High God for a living. I cut grass to make money to pay the bills," and and that, that that's that's exact that that describes Deacon Jimmy. He he serves God for his living, this his life, but he builds fences to pay the bills. You need to get that in your mind. I don't know what you what you do to draw a check, but that's just what you do to get the bills paid, you need to realize the thing that you do for a living if you really want to be all that God wants you to be is you serve God for a living. You wake up serving God. You serve God on that job that you draw your check from, and you go to bed serving God. Samuel, as a child, was able to say, speak, your servant is listening. He could have said, Eli's servant, because that's what he did. That was his job. His job, what he did to pay his bills for room and board, was he served Eli. He did what the priest told him to do. He swept the the temple. He, He did whatever menial tasks. He wasn't talking about his day job. His day job was an assistant to the priest. But what he really was, what he found purpose in, was being a servant of the Lord. So you need to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, where do you find purpose? And see, this is why it's difficult for really wealthy people to ever get full on for God. This is why it's difficult for arrogant people to ever get full on for God. Pride will will keep you from God. The Bible says God is far from the proud. God resists the proud. God holds the proud at arm's length. Can't get close to God in pride. And people who have made major accomplishments, people who have extreme wealth, typically are proud of what they've accomplished and trusting in their money. Not all of them. There, there are some. But God said not many noble, not many mighty, not many wise did he call because he called the foolish people, the lesser people, the bottom shelf people. <laughs> well, At one time he was describing who he called to be saved. He called them the off-scouring All right, now here, this is a message for proud people. If you are proud, but you believe that you're a Christian, you need to believe what God says more than what you say. You may have made great accomplishments in life, and you may be a fantastic human being, but God says you are the off-scouring. Let me tell you what the off-scouring is. You put a wooden barrel in your backyard, and you let it stay there in the rain for years. It's going to get goo on it. It's going to get yuck on it. And if you turn that barrel over and you look at the bottom where the bugs and the maggots and the goo are thick, and you take your hand and you rake your fingernails across that, and you look under your fingernails, that's the off-scouring. That's who we are. Uh, People don't like that. People, I'm better than that. Not me, I'm I'm educated. No, we are the people that God chose. And when you you compare yourself to your brothers and sisters, and you've done better than your siblings, when you compare yourself to your neighbors and your friends, and you've done better than them, you might be able to see yourself as something. And that's okay. And it, it may be factual. But if you compare yourself to the Most High God, bottom of shelf under the shelf under the barrel off scouring that's how high God is and a lot of people can't give with that that bothers some people that that bothers some people the the term servant is not something they want to embrace Paul said I'm a slave to God he's the boss over everything I just do what he says and this this is the mindset that Samuel had and and you get to choose do you want to choose, I'm a doctor, I'm, I, I, I'm an administrative executive. You want to choose, your, uh, I'm a business owner. You want to choose your title as to that, or do you want who you are at your core to be, I'm a servant of God? See, the cool thing about when God's people understand that we are all servants of God, that takes away the division. That takes away the fracturing of the church. That takes away the separation of the church. That takes away the the worldly system of haves and have-nots. That takes away the um, rich people hanging out with rich people and poor people hanging out with poor people when we realize we're all just servants of God. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. No, 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 No big people, no little people, just servants. Only God is big. So Samuel says, I'm your servant. And I'm listening. If you could accomplish those two things in your life, you would be on point and on track to be what God wants you to be. If you could just make that your daily mantra. See, when I when I slowed down my reading and I said, show me something. The first time I read this, I just blew right by it. I blew right by it. I'm, I'm just I'm just seeing the movie in my mind. I'm just grabbing the story in my mind. I slow it down and, and I see this is the first thing. The first thing that Samuel has ever said to God. This is his first encounter with God. But he had already determined, I'm God's servant, and I'm listening. Are you, do you consider yourself, do you even desire to consider yourself a servant of God? See, everything starts in the mind. You have to think it before you do it. That's why when people tell me, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor, I didn't didn't mean to say that. I spoke before I thought. No, you didn't. It's not possible to speak before you think. Now, you can speak too quickly and think too short, but you had to think it to get your mouth to open. Now, I understand, and I've been guilty many times of speaking before I thought clearly, and that's when you end up with with your foot in your mouth. That's when you end up looking ignorant. And that's when you try to tell people, "Oh, I didn't mean to say that. I spoke before I thought." That's not possible. You can't pick your hand up. You 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 can't you you can't grab a Bible. You can't drive. A, you can't do anything. You can't walk without thinking. You've done it so many times that you don't you don't think you have to think to stand up out of that chair and start walking. You 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 th- you think, "Well, that don't take any thought." Yes, it does. It absolutely does. Your brain has to fire the right signals to your body to get your body to move you've got to think in your mind you've got to desire and purpose in your mind to be god's servant and i hope that that's what you want because that is the only type person that will ever have favor with god peace with god joy in christ and have joy in being a christian you got to call yourself god's servant and you've got to be listening okay so a lot of different things will keep people from calling or considering themselves God's servant. Pride, number one. Focus on the wrong things, number two. I get it. I mean, it, it's on me. I, I think because of some, you know, this back issue has, has, has caused me to just be jammed up in my head a lot of times and, and, and upset when I should be praising God. I, I, I think I wear my duties a lot harder because I know there, there are a million women in the world who just do what I have to do as a single parent, and they do it with joy, and they do it with grace, and, and it's just nothing. To, to me, it's on me like a million pounds. It's on me like a million pounds. I I got I got to make sure that the clothes are washed. I got to make sure that the trash is taken. I got to oversee. I got to make sure that that the kids are up on their way to school dressed. I got to make sure tonight before I go to bed. I got to stop at some restaurant. Well, Wednesday changed the game for me. Wednesday the game changer for me because whether whether they just get a cracker with some cheese on it at youth or they get a big old giant plate of 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 pasta and chicken, uh, I just tell them you already ate. Heading home. Before that, I had to st- and And now still, I probably had to run through somewhere to get Jake something extra because uh, he's always hungry. But it's just on me all the time what, what, I, what I have to do. I, I, I got to deal with these kids constantly. And I got to oversee this church. I got to have a, my own personal time with the Lord. So people get distracted on what it is that they're doing with their life and they confuse who they are. Sure, you're a mom if you're a mom. Sure, you're a dad if you're a dad. Sure, you you do whatever you do. You work wherever you work. Sure, you have household responsibilities. You have marital responsibilities. You have parental responsibilities. You have Christian responsibilities. You have all these different things that you have to do. And if you focus on that too much, it's going to hinder your ability to even see yourself as a servant of God, because you got all this other stuff on your plate, and that's why you have to live inside Matthew six thirty three. Jesus said that if you seek God first and live right, everything else will fall into place. You got to see, got to put God first. Got to put God first. If you read the proverb of the day today, you got quickly to the, those two often. Quoted verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the first two verses I ever memorized as a child, way before I even was saved, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You get to that place where you got to understand you have to acknowledge God in everything. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So you got to start with God. You got to keep God at the forefront of your mind. You got to keep putting God back in your mind. When life happens, you got to put your mind back on God. When stress happens, you got to put your mind back on God. When people act ignorant, you got to put your mind back on God. When you're tired, you got to put your mind back on God. When you get distracted, you got to put your mind back on God. It's the same thing I've been teaching you all for 15 years. You got to focus and refocus. Focus and refocus. That's the whole Christian life in in three words. Focus and refocus. That's what we have to do. You have to focus on being all that God wants you to be, and then you have to refocus. Then you got to focus again and refocus again because life's going to try to pull you away from your, your highest purpose, and your highest purpose is to serve God. Samuel caught this at a young age. He realized this at a young age. Even though he had other duties, even though he had other things, he... he realize that he was a servant if you realize that then you got to do the second thing and you have to be listening it doesn't take a genius to properly answer this question if you've been alive more than three minutes you, sh- you should be able to know do you think most people talk more or listen more we are a horrible society When it comes to listening, I'm gonna tell you the truth. If you are a listening person, people will surround you, and people will tell you, "I I I appreciate you letting me talk to you. Uh, It's it's, it's just a pleasure to have some." I think thank you for listening. And they, they just go overboard because they found some. Am I right? They found somebody who will listen. They will latch onto you like a saddle on a donkey. Five straps wrapped around your most... They would just grab hold and not let go. Why? Because you listened. Well, what's so special about that? Everybody can listen. Well, what's special about it is most people don't. You realize most people, even when you're talking to them, they're not listening to you. I talk for a living. I I talk three times a week on a minimum if I don't preach somewhere during the week. I I have to prepare three lessons... A week, the seminary say it takes 30 to 40 hours on average to prepare one decent Bible study. Okay, now go ahead and multiply that times three and and then tell and then go around telling people pastor only works on Sunday. Okay? But I speak for a living, and I know that the people in here right now, if you're listening, it's only because you had to refocus yourself and get your mind back into listening after you got distracted on a thousand different things and stopped listening. Listening is not an easy thing to do. People people talk too much. And God said that you ought to be quick to hear and slow to speak. I'm not sure that it's really why it went down. I think it has more to do um, with, with how sound waves travel and your need to be able to hear things for safety purposes. But I've heard many people say God gave you two ears and one mouth. You ought to listen twice as much as you speak. Well, you need to be able to hear what's coming from over here and over here. I think that's why you have two ears. Uh, when that car or that train is honking from this direction, you need to be able to hear it. And when somebody's yelling, duck, for, you need, okay, but either way it goes. You have more ears than mouth. But people talk more than they listen. Can you listen? Can you listen? This is the easiest, shortest. Explanation to get people to understand because everybody will, will agree with this or just not be right in their head. Experts have, people that study human behavior, have given the reason why when someone tells you their name, three seconds later, you can't remember. Cannot! Just whew! You meet somebody. Hi, my name's Scott. Oh, cool, I'm John. Nice to meet you. Walk away. What was his name? Anybody? Anybody? Everybody. Everybody. And people that study human behavior know why that is. That person spoke clearly. What was his name? John. He spoke clearly. He said his name was John. I didn't hear it. I didn't know. I couldn't tell you if you put a gun to my child's head. I couldn't tell you what his name was two seconds after he said it. And this is why. Experts say, because when we as human beings are approached by another human being in a meeting situation, we are not listening. We are running through a thousand things in our checklist. Am I fly up? How does my breath smell? Am I standing right? Am I dressed right? Is he more important than I am? Who is this? And you're, you're talking to yourself. A million things that you're talking to yourself while he's saying I'm John. That's not a hard name to remember. That name has been in our mind forever. If you ever read the Bible, John's all in the Bible. There's all kinds of John's in the Bible. Dude didn't say some hard to pronounce name. Please, if you ever have a child, do not curse that child with a nine-syllable first name. Okay? Just that's my that's my that's my theory. Go ahead and name them what you want to. But when you name your child a first name with nine syllables, they're gonna spell that for everybody their whole life. They, what? Your name is what? Who? Anyway, different story. We can't remember names that are easy to pronounce. Why? Because we're not listening. Listening is an art. Listening is purposeful. You think you're listening? People lay in their bed, and, and I, I, I can go by my kids and say, What you doing? I'm just listen, listening to some music. You're laying there doing nothing. You ain't listening to music. You hear it because it's playing, but are you listening to it? See, if you were listening to it, that's the difference when somebody says, you hear me, but you ain't hearing me. You get that. There's a difference between hearing and hearing. You hear the sound of my voice right now, but are you hearing me? Listening is an art. Listening is a whole lot of effort. It's a lot of, you got to try to stay focused in and locked in on what somebody's saying. And most people aren't saying much. So you're like, I know that he's going to say something, uh, just rambling, 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 ain't said nothing yet, just a, a, but you got to stay involved. Listening takes effort. It's purposeful. you got a desire to listen. So Samuel said he's a servant and he's listening, and that's what you need to focus on today and moving forward in your life. You need to purpose in your mind to call yourself a servant. And you need to purpose in your mind that I am going to listen to what God says. Perfect example of what I started you with. When when I just rammed through 12 or 15 chapters in my reading yesterday uh, of of 1 Samuel, I realized I'm doing exactly what I told the church not to do. Don't fast read, ever. Read slow. And try to get something out of it. See, I was reading, but I wasn't listening. I was just reading. I was just glossing through it as fast as I could. That's not listening. When you read your Bible, you need to be listening. When you go to work, you need to be listening. When you lay your head down on your pillow at night, you need to be listening. When you pray to God, you need to be listening. Now, there's some really weird people in the world. That need medication and and, and and inpatient programs that think that they hear God all the time. Don't 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 trust anybody that every time you hear you see them, God appeared in their room last night and told them something. It's not biblical. It's not I'm not saying it's not possible, but it is not biblical. And it eliminates the need for faith. The Bible says faith is what pleases God. It, Jesus said to his disciples. You believe me because you've seen me. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. I've never seen Jesus. Jesus has never come to me and spoken to me out loud, ever. Bishop said one time in a packed church, in his church, he said, I have a confession to make. As as your pastor and your bishop, I need to tell you all, I have never heard God tell me anything people started grabbing bibles and and, and purses he said everything we've ever done as a ministry we've done by faith believing this is what god wanted us to do and if god shows up and talks to you you have no ability to please him because that's not faith that's sight that that that, doesn't take any any belief system for that. Now, I'm not saying it's not possible, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm telling you, if it happens to somebody all the time, and they keep telling you that Jesus showed up in the bedroom they had a conversation, be, 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 be praying for that person that they get back on their medication. Okay? Listening when someone's not in the room. Listening when you can't see anybody. Now we are taking listening to a whole different level. It's hard enough to listen to somebody telling you their name and remember their name three seconds later. It's hard enough to listen to somebody telling you a story when you think, are you ever going to finish and is there a point to all this rambling? It's hard enough to listen to somebody standing in your face talking to you. Samuel's listening to somebody he's never even seen and ain't seeing now. Do you understand that takes listening to a higher level? People want God to to show them everything. That don't take faith. People want God to tell them what's going to happen. That doesn't take faith. People want a layout. People want God to give them specific instruction and direction. That doesn't take any amount of faith. The the Bible teaches us clearly that God doesn't speak loudly. God God speaks. The Bible says God speaks in a very specific way. Uh, Anybody remember? still small voice, inside your heart. Now, there are times that I have heard God speak to me, not in noise, but on the inside, but it felt louder than if you spoke to me on the outside. There are times where I've heard God tell me what I should and shouldn't do, but it's on the inside. And you've got to learn how to listen on the inside. Why wasn't Eli getting up wondering who's talking in my house? Why wasn't Eli hearing what Samuel was hearing? Why didn't Eli tell him the first time that wasn't me calling I heard that too. He never said that. They're laying side by side, wondering. they didn't live in 3,000 square foot houses. They didn't have five-bedroom, four and a half bathroom, three-car garage. That, that, that's 2017. That, that ain't this day and age. They lived in a small house, room side-by-side, paper-thin walls. Samuel hears it loud enough to wake him up. Eli doesn't hear it at all. Why? Because it was not audible. He was speaking to Samuel on the inside. You say, I don't believe that. Well, explain to me why Eli didn't get up. Eli, well, he slept through it. Well, maybe he slept through the first one, but wouldn't he be listening to somebody talking in his house? Somebody talking to to his, you know, adopted child? He's going to want to know who's in my house talking. That keeps happening. Listen, if your child comes to you and say, did you call me? No. Well, I heard someone call my name. It's time to grab the gun and walk through your house and see who's in your house. Now, if you're overly tired and and your child is, you know, just silly sometimes, go back to sleep, son. I ain't got time for that. Ain't nobody called you. Go back to sleep. Leave me alone. I'm tired. They come back in the room the second time. You need to get up. Somebody talking in your house to your child, and this ain't no small child. Uh, you, You need to figure out who it is. Samuel didn't, or Eli didn't hear it because when God speaks, he speaks to you on the inside. Can he speak on the outside? Sure he can. God can do anything, but God is consistent. God is unchanging. What he does for one, he does for another. The way God speaks to us is in that still small voice. So in, in your heart, it's 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 that voice on the inside that tells you, bad idea. You ever had that? You need to shut up. You ever had that? You, 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 time to go home. Don't don't Tell them you're not hanging out. with. You're not going. Anybody ever had that? That's how God speaks. You need to pray. You didn't pray today. That's how God speaks. You, 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 you think, just popped in my mind, I ain't I, I praying for mom all day long, and, and she's got that procedure going on uh, tomorrow. I need, I, need, I need to pray for her. Why did that pop in your mind? That's God speaking to you. Boy, it just, I, I don't know why, but all of a sudden, my cousin from Louisiana just came, came to my mind. I know he's going through some stuff. Uh, I, I, I probably should spend time here. Why, why did that pop in your mind? That's God speaking to you. you None of us are smart enough to have stuff just pop into our mind. We ain't listening to our mind strong enough. We're busy listening to the radio driving down the street. Listen, I'm going to tell you all a secret. You don't have to do this. It's what I do. Anybody's that's ever in a car with me knows, because uh, I don't care if it's my car or your car, radio off. I don't listen to nothing when I drive. We drive a lot. Me and my kids go a lot of places. As, as a single parent, um, I don't take two-week vacations um, from the church, but if I can get three days in a row where I don't have a meeting with somebody, I'll pull my kids out of school. I've had, I've had notes sent home. My children are in danger. They're, they're, they're at the eighty. Two percent attendance rate, and uh, and I'm like, my children on honor roll. What are you talking about? And I called the school one time, and I asked them, Why do you care? If my kids they they ain't miss, you can't let them miss ten days in a in a nine week period. My ain't miss no ten days in your little forty five day grading period. What are you talking about? Well, and I finally got to somebody that told me the truth. You know why they track your attendance? You know why they care that my kids miss more school? Money. They don't care if you leave after first period because they get paid daily. Their allotment budget is given to the school system daily based on the number of kids that show up for first period. That's why they hate tardy. You miss first period, they lose out on your money. You come to first period and leave, they could care less. But anyway, so my kids travel a lot, but my kids know. We get in the car, there ain't going to be no radio on. My kids can tell you. What if they talk while I'm driving? And, and we, you know, I drive, I drove New Orleans a couple of months ago. Kids in the back seat. If, if, so, if they're if their crazy gene kicks in and they start talking, they know. Y'all need to look at, if I say y'all need to look at, they can tell you what I'm gonna say. Look at trees. You want know something to do? Look at trees. I've been telling them that since they were a baby. Look at trees. Jake, I made up a song for Jake when, when he was three years old. He trying to talk all the time while I'm trying to drive and listen to God, trying to trying to get my mind right. And he's talking. Uh, and, and and Jake, well Jake wouldn't sing it for you, but trees, trees, trees are brown. Trees are good. Trees on the ground. Tree, he he knows that he got a what What do he got to do when we get in the car? Stare at trees. Why? Because Dad trying to get his head right, trying to hear what God would have to say to me, trying to listen. Listening is an art form. If you have the radio on all the time. You got the radio on while you're studying. You got the radio on while you're praying. You got the TV running in the background. You got kids making noise. There's a reason why the Bible says Jesus got up a great while before day and departed into a solitary place to speak to the Father. Oh no, Pastor! I I I I study better with the radio on. That's a lie from hell. Your kids convince you of that. They can study better with music. No, they can't. That's 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 distracting problem is they need that that noise they need we live in a society that needs that noise why because we don't know how to be listening we just want a lot of noise on us oh I sleep better with the TV on at night you're used to having a lot of noise in your head quiet is something most people run from if I stop talking right now and we just had total silence in this room people would get uncomfortable People start looking around. He ain't saying nothing. Was he having a stroke? We don't live in a silent culture. We live in a culture of noise. How can you hear a still, small voice when you always have noise in your head? can't. Samuel heard it. And he said, I'm listening. Will you listen to what the Lord has to say to you? Let's look at verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. (laughs) That's not exactly what I want to hear. Okay, now, the Bible will prove out to us that in the Old Testament, God did more speaking in volume to people because they didn't have a book to read. We have a book to read, okay? We have God's word here. The Bible says God in times past spoke to us through the prophets, but now he speaks to us through his son, okay? So we have his son and the book that he's given us to read. God actually had conversational speech. If you're looking for God to have conversational speech, would you now in 2017, you're going to be disappointed uh, unless you need medication, okay? God guides. God directs. God, God, God puts inclination in you in the old testament he had conversational speech and he said i'm about to do a shocking thing in israel that is not what you want to hear from god you know if if deacon if mills says i saw some i I did something shocking today at work i'm okay with that i mean because he is a a a steady eddy decent hardworking, godly um very even killed straight thinker in his mind type of dude. Now if Deacon Jimmy comes up to me and says, I saw something shocking today. I I gotta hear that story. That, that <laughs> am I right Nancy? That's gonna be off the frame. That 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 that's gonna be, you know that that's just not gonna be local news Section D, page 4, that, that's CNN, that's headline news, that's front page all the way. When it, So it depends on who tells you that they're going to do something shocking. If, if, if somebody who's very even-tempered with, with a straight mind and a normal mind says, you know, I think I'm going to do something shocking, you know that means shocking for them. If some wide-open dude is just touched off sideways Says, I'm about to do something shocking. <laughs> get up and leave. <laughs> Read about it on the news. Don't be about it. God is the most powerful force ever, and he says, I'm about to do something shocking. Mm, I, I probably get nervous right about it. If, God's about, if God says it's going to be shocking, you can bet it's going to be shocking. He says, I'm about to do a shocking thing. In Israel, see this. This this book is awesome. Look at verse twelve. This movie playing out in my mind. I am going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. Who? God had been threatening judgment on Eli for some years. God had been threatening judgment on all of Eli's family. God told him, "I am going to destroy you." everybody like you everybody that knows you everybody's got anything to do I'm killing all y'all you said not God yes God the God of the Bible oh the God of the Old Testament there is no God of the Old Testament unless he's the same God of the New Testament who's the same God of today don't, don't think God handled people different in the Old Testament. I have people tell me, oh, I'm glad to be living in the New Testament because God was, well, God was rough on people. God, God was hard in the Old Testament, but he's easy. No, God's the same. God hasn't changed from then to now. He's still the same. And he said, I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli. And see, here's the deal. Whatever God said is going to happen. If it hasn't happened, it's only because it hasn't happened yet. The fact that Eli's still getting up every day breathing air, he should have known. He, he was like, I don't remember who sang that song, walking on a thin line. He's walking on a thin line. That was my jam back in the day, though. Y'all don't, y'all don't remember that song. Anybody, anybody, y'all never even heard that song? Okay. Samuel loves Eli. Eli is his father. Eli is his boss. Eli is his pastor. Eli feeds him, houses him. The only love he gets is from this man with two raggedy sons who are thieves operating in the role of priest. Read the book. The book will lay out these these cats as, as bad dudes, scheming preachers. God said, I'm about to do it. Look at verse 13. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever, mm. Here's the cool thing about God. He's always consistent. If God warned Eli before judgment fell, guess what he'll do for you before judgment falls on you? He'll warn you. That's why I tell people, get right before the ax falls. Get right under the grace. Get right under the warning. Don't wait till the exposure. If, if you're scheming, man, if, 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 if you were out there slipping and sliding, if you're creeping, you, you you better just throw all that away, give God praise that he didn't kill you for it, and live right. Do better. He will warn you before he will expose you, and he will expose you before he will destroy you. God wouldn't destroy Absolutely. Ask Eli. Ask Eli's children. God said, after being warned many times, those people who harden their neck shall be destroyed, and that without remedy. God warns you. He warns you. He warns you. He warns you. He, warns you. he tells you. He tells you. He tell you. You just stay stubborn. Bam. Done. No coming back. You better get right under the warning. Eli didn't do it. God had been warning Eli for a long time. God finally said, time's out. The axe is going to fall. Coming on his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God, and he hasn't disciplined them. Live wrong. Keep living wrong. Live wrong after God tells you to stop living wrong, but keep living wrong, even though God warned you to stop living wrong. Live wrong after the pastor says to get right. Live wrong. Keep doing what you're doing. People think they're getting away with it. See, that's what Eli thought. Eli thought, it's okay my sons are ripping off the people. My family's paid. We, we're stack fat. We got money. Everything's good. I'm the priest to the whole world. Everybody bows to me. I'm the voice of God on the planet. He thought because everything was still going smooth, He didn't have to worry about judgment. That's the trick of the devil. You think that you can keep doing what you're doing without judgment falling? You think you've gotten away with it? No. God's just sitting there doing this. And eventually, if you don't get right while God is, is looking the other way, while God, King James says, winks at your sin, he just kind of, mm, he sees you. Eli thought, oh, I ain't, mm, ain't got to straighten this out because I'm benefiting from my kids ripping off the people. And my kids, I love my kids. What am I going to do? Fire my kids, put them out of my house? Yes. But you fall in love with your children more than you love God. Listen, listen, mom. Women are predisposed to love their children more than they love their husband and more than they love God, and both of those are from the devil. Your first commitment, married woman, is to God. Your second commitment is to your husband. Them little terrorists running around in your house, they're going to leave you one day and be gone. I have counseled people where wives told me, I don't know what I'm going to do when my children leave because I don't love him. Why are you living in his house? Cashing his check? Different story for a different time. He thought it's all going good. He's, he's not doing right. Put verse 14 up. God said, So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Mm. It's just like the proverb said I put on my Facebook. Proverbs 1, God says, because you didn't listen to me when I called you, I will laugh at you in your calamity and I will mock you in your destruction and I will not answer your prayer. Not God. Yes. God ain't some floor mat for you to just kick around and spit on and then think when when, when times get tough, I'll repent. There's a cutoff date in heaven. And God said, I don't care how much they sacrifice. I don't care what offerings they bring me. Too long is too long. And it's been too long for this family. And I'm done with them. No coming back? Wow. Now, but God will forgive you if you ask him. You better ask him while he's ready to listen. Read Proverbs 1 and find out God's got a cutoff date. And God said, I'll just laugh at you while, while, while you die. Who? not God, yes. Never be forgiven. Not by no. Way. He can't come and ask me for forgiveness now. He can't offer nothing to me now. He can't sacrifice nothing to me now. He can't give me nothing. I'm tired of it. I gave him space with grace. He chose not to repent. So now is Acts falling time. Look at verse 15. Samuel stayed in bed until the morning. He got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. How are you gonna tell your dad? I mean, how you gonna tell your dad that? He's your dad, he's your boss, he's your pastor, he's the priest, he's the voice of God on the planet, he, he's the only one feeding you. You're a child, you can't go out and do nothing. You can't go get your own stuff, you can't pay rent. This man took you in, housed you. How are you gonna tell him that? The truth's the truth, anyhow. We live in a culture where people think, well, I can't tell them that because it's gonna hurt their feelings. You better tell it. You better tell it. If the building's on fire, but I see you taking a nap, well, I don't want to wake her up. She looked comfortable. Uh, We'll just leave. No, you got to tell the truth. You got to tell. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. If, If you love me and you see me doing something that's harmful, you see me doing something that's wrong, you better tell me. You see, I've had people come to me in love and and, and tell me things about my my delivery, tell me things about repetitive phrases that I use that that were not helping our church, and and they did that in love. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend tells you something, somebody tells you something that loves you, it may hurt, but it's faithful. It's the right thing to do. you got to say the hard thing even if it's hard to say, but you say it in love. Because you care about it. Okay, so Samuel didn't want to tell Eli this. Samuel was like, "Man, how do I tell Eli all this stuff? Man, this stuff's heavy. Look Look at 16. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am. Samuel replied, let's keep moving. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. And may God strike you and even kill you if you had anything for me. Stay right there on that frame. Eli knows he's scheming. Eli knows he's slipping. Eli knows that God has warned him. He's been under conviction for a long time. He knows that he's been doing wrong for a long time. And he knows the nature of God. He knows. When God gets done with you, he's all the way done with you, and there ain't no coming back from it. Well, God will always forgive you if you ask him. He said, I'll mock you in your day of calamity. Read the Bible. Don't get your theory about God from bad preaching. Read the Bible. Eli's got a feeling. It's just like if you, if, if the cops come and they call one of your children out, and you're the, you're the biggest dope dealer in the neighborhood, and you found out the cops pulled your child out of school and wanted to talk to them. In your mind, are you thinking they're talking to them about them or they're talking to them about me? You see what I'm saying? Eli knew. God probably came told him some bad stuff about me. What's going on here? And that's why he said, I, I'll pray God kill you if you don't tell me everything. He knows it's bad, but he knows he needs to hear it. Look at 18. So Samuel told Eli everything. Stop on the punctuation. Always pause on the punctuation when you read the Bible. Samuel told Eli everything. How are you going to do it? You got to do it. Start listening, start hearing, and start doing everything, God says. He didn't hold anything back. And this is what Eli said. It is the Lord's will. Eli knew who God was. Eli knew the nature and character of God. Eli knew that God had graciously warned him. Eli knew that he was sliding by, trampling on God's mercy for a long time. So he said, it's the Lord's will. Let him do what he thinks best. Wow. Wow. Most people at that point go into scheming mode. Most people go in that point into begging mode. Most people go into that point of, I'm sorry, they go into that child. Please don't be me. They go into that panic freak. I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. I'm like, you can have all that fit you want to. You're still going to get naked on my bed and take this belt. Flat on your bare naked butt till the cops show up. Not Eli. Eli said, it's the will of the Lord. It's God's will. Let him do what he thinks is best. Boy, that humbling came. That mind got right that fast. But guess what? Too late. Too late. The lights in heaven are off for Eli and his kids. Look at 19. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. Didn't happen right away. Years go by. How awful would it be if God was already done with you? But you're still living. Mm. Get right while you can. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. That word salvation is the same word used for deliverance. Today is the day of deliverance. Today, If, if you hear the Lord calling you, don't harden your heart like them other people did, you get right now, you end up like Eli. And everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Samuel is growing and becoming the prophet of God. Look at verse 20. And all Israel from Dan north to Beersheba in the south knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. So Samuel's growing. He now is doing what Eli should have been doing. Eli's not functional anymore. Samuel has stepped in and taken over, verse 22. We don't have it. <laughs> All right. Verse 22 says, There is no verse 22, so we're we, we going to have to stop there. That's why we don't have it. All right. I want to keep the movie going, but it's, it's past time to quit so God knows what he's doing. If God loves you enough to make you feel bad about what you're doing, that's his mercy. If God loves you enough to make you know in your heart, I need to make some change, that's his mercy. That means the lights are still on for you. Once they're off, you can't even function the way you're supposed to function anymore. You're just alive for no purpose. you just done and don't know it. You say, well, what if, what if that's me? What what if that's me? You wouldn't be here if that was you. You wouldn't be wondering what if it's you, if it was you. Those people are so proud, they'd be saying, that ain't me. I'm too slick. That's who. When Jesus told his disciples, one of you sitting at this table that just dipped that bread with me, one of you is going to betray me to the people that want to kill me. And the scripture says, and every." one of the disciples began to ask, is it I, is it I, is it I, is it I? Okay. If you study the Greek language and you look at the context of what's going on there, you realize what they're literally saying is, please tell me it ain't me. Please tell me it ain't me. It ain't me, is it? It ain't me. It ain't me. Is it me? Is it? They didn't want it to be them. But Judas didn't ask, is it him? Because he knew it was him. So don't worry about, are the lights off for you? Don't worry about, has God already planned that no offering and no sacrifice is enough for you to come back? If you have any heart at all that is tender to God, then that means the light is still on. Once God shut it off for Eli, Eli was out. As long as you still want anything from God, there's still mercy and grace for you to repent. Do not allow your life to get to where Eli got. Do not allow your life to get to the point where God says those who after being uh, reproved over and over again that stayed stubborn, I will destroy them. Another verse says I will cut them off and that without remedy. No coming back from that. Don't let your life get to that point. You know you need to make some change, make some change. You know you need to start doing better, do better. You know you need to add some things, add them. You know you need to quit some things, quit them. You're in God's grace right now. You're in God's mercy. You're in God's time of forgiveness. There is a time where the window shuts. And there's no coming back from that. And God, you read the book. I'm telling you, it's just like a movie. I I won't even call it a movie, but it's a book. You'll find out. Fat boy falls over and dies just a few chapters later. His sons, gone. Why? Because God is serious about what he's serious about. Because God knew then what he knows now. All this sin, all this foolishness is going to cost me the life of my son. It's going to cause me to have to forsake my own son and turn away from him when he come, becomes sin for these wicked people. So God is serious. Don't think because you're getting away with it that God ain't serious about it. Don't think because you've been doing it for so long but still growing in Christ that he ain't serious about it. He's serious about it, but He has a, he has space for grace. But there's a season. Or that changes. Don't, 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 don't carry on that long. Does that mean you got to do everything right before God's going to shut you out? No, you got to have a heart, you got to have a soft heart to God, and you got to have a desire to please Him. Don't get arrogant and hard and say, I'm gonna be me. I don't care what God says. I've had people sit in my office and say, I don't care what God says, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. I have no counsel for that person. The light in heaven is off for you. There's no coming back for you. Go do what you're going to do because it's over. Don't get to that place. Stay soft-hearted on God, and God will stay soft-hearted on you. Pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love and your goodness. Thank you, God, for loving us enough to warn us before you destroy us. Thank you, God, for giving us seasons of grace as we carry on in our stupidity. Thank you for giving us repentance. Thank you for giving us a heart to love you. God, I pray that we would never be so stubborn that we refuse to do what you tell us to do. Help us, God, to honor you with everything that we say, with everything that we think, and everything that we do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web.